Hi, everybody. Welcome to Eastern Approaches, the Internet's best podcast on all things Eastern and Central Europe. I am Ben Curtis, one of your talking heads. And I am Andrew Ballone, the other talking head, which you can't see. Uh, so um, a bit about me. Uh, I've uh, been a tour guide for many years. Um, I've been living and traveling in Eastern and Central Europe for three decades now. Used to be a professor in the United States, specializing in uh, European history and politics. And these days I live in Prague. I blog at benjamincurtis.me and my partner in crime. Uh, I'm at uh, savortheexperiencetours.com. I've been running boutique small group tours for the past 15 years in predominantly Slovenia, Croatia, former Yugoslavia, but some other places in Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, and I do a lot of customized tours as well. And um, I live in Slovenia, the port city of Koper. So speaking of where we live, that is kind of the theme of today's podcast, that Andrew and I decided to kind of uh, fantasize and brainstorm about where in this region, Central and Eastern Europe, um, we would live uh, apart from the place we already live, right? So we decided to pick three places in Eastern and Central Europe that we would live that don't count the place we already live. And so we're going to go through each of us one by one, uh, kind of alternating and give you our picks and like why we chose those places. I think it's kind of just a fun way of uh, understanding some of the places that we find most interesting, most captivating, most livable in this part of the world. And I hope uh, we don't know what each other is going to say. So it might lead to some interesting debates slash feuds or something like that. So we'll see where it goes. But before we dive into our list of three other places in Central and Eastern Europe we might live, we want to tell you about where we live now and why. So Andrew, why are you in Slovenia? And specifically, why are you in Koper? This is something I actually don't even know. Well, the move to Slovenia started about seven years ago, or actually even more, maybe like eight years ago. Uh, it was, I was decided to move here for, for my business. So it, it was not like, oh, I want to move to Europe. What country am I going to move to? So like when I, choosing to move to Slovenia was, was all about business and quality of life for my family and things like that. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't kind of like this exercise we're doing today where it's like, if I was going to move to three different places, you know, what would they be and why would I move there? But of course, uh, with Slovenia, since I'd been here so many times before, you know, a lot of those areas or things that you look for or want when you're going to move somewhere, it already had, I already knew that about Slovenia. So it, it was, um, it was something that, you know, I didn't have to think about too much. It was more like, what do I have to do to actually to move here? And, and that's a conversation for a different story. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry. Uh, that's a conversation. That's a conversation for a different time. Um, so uh, when I first moved to Slovenia, actually, I didn't live in Koper. I lived uh, in Kran, which is kind of halfway between like Bled and Ljubljana and next to the, next to the uh, airport, uh, Ljubljana airport. But even that was like, why did I move there instead of, let's say, Ljubljana? Some of it was just money of like, hey, your, 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 your money can go further if you're not going to live in the capital city or if you're not going to live in the old town, things like that. 
and also I, you know, I happened to find a place that looked really interesting that would be available in a year from now or a year mm -hmm. from then when I was going to move. And that was the biggest challenge really is like, oh, okay, if you're going to go find a place that's available, you know, uh, you know, is it going to be available when you actually need it, you know, a year from then? So I, I started my search, you know, 12, 15 months in advance. So, um, so for it's like choosing Slovenia, other than obviously, you know, I was going to come here for, for business reasons is just the, com the, the comfort level I feel here, having a lot of friends and colleagues here, uh, knowing that it seems pretty easily adaptable. It doesn't seem, uh, I don't know, like having you, like having culture shock or anything like that. Um, and cost of living was, was what, what you got for your money was, was a good value. It wasn't like, it's not the cheapest place in mm -hmm. Europe, but it's certainly, you know, not the most expensive. And I suppose, I suppose one thing that um, maybe I didn't think about it that much then, but I'm guessing a lot of ways I'm glad it's the way it is, is you can really get by speaking English here. In fact, mm. sometimes it's, 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 you know, kind of hard to learn the language when, uh, when everyone just speaks English back to you. So um, that, I, I don't know if I'd want to move to a country where, okay, well, everyone has to take six months of language immersion hmm. classes and things like that. That would be, that would be more difficult. Yeah. And from Kran, how did you end up in Kopar? That's the part of the story, which I have not heard before, I don't think. Yeah. So that was, what was that? Like a winter, a couple of winters ago, like 2017 into 2018. And we'd always get sick because it's very damp uh, in Kran and in Ljubljana too. Actually, Ljubljana is really foggy and damp. And we'd, the whole family would always get sick. And we just thought, well, could we move to a place with a better climate? And I thought, well, okay, we could move closer to the coast or even on the coast. And it wasn't until I thought like, oh yeah, okay, we could move somewhere else. I didn't realize, it didn't, it didn't hit me that well, we could live where we want. I mean, if there is, you know, if we wanted to live on top of some mountain, because there's a beautiful little village there, it, it wouldn't matter because my wife and I don't have normal jobs. We don't work, we don't commute. It was really just, you know, okay, what's the school system like and things like that. But um, so uh, I decided to move out to the coast because that's what the kids and Natasha wanted. Uh, I was a little apprehensive actually, because I was thinking, oh, in the summertime, is it gonna be like living in some of those coastal cities in Croatia? That would not be my cup of tea at all. But um, it, it wasn't, it's not like that. It's not, uh, it's not crazy. Even when there's cruise ships here, it's, it's most of the tourists or most of the cruise ship people go somewhere else. So um, it was just a, let's move somewhere where it's a better, better uh, winter, better weather year round. And also the kids can take um, free Italian school mm. here. So there's um, Italian Slovenian schools and because they're, my kids are not Slovenian or 100% Slovenian. They can take these. Uh, they can go to these schools for free. Hmm. That's so cool. now they're learning Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molto bene. I did not know that detail. It's pretty good. Um, um, so with you, because I hadn't seen you in quite some time, and then I just heard you're moving to Prague or trying to get residency there. Mm -hmm. uh, other than, oh, okay, Prague's a great city. What, what, what's the? What was your rationale behind? Prague and did you know did you have some other 
countries on a list too when you were looking? Yeah. So, you know, I'd been living in London for a few years um, uh, before I decided to move to Prague. And partly what spurred the decision was that my work, kind of like yours, I guess, became at least partially location independent so I could just live wherever I wanted to live. And as much as I love London, um, there were some things that I was missing, uh, namely like kind of better scenery, like, you know, hills, mountains, hikes, uh, that kind of stuff, which you don't have a lot of uh, in London. Uh, so uh, I had the opportunity to think where else I might go. And I had a couple criteria and these criteria will, I don't know, come back when we talk about our list of three alternate places. But so I knew what I was kind of looking for. Like I wanted uh, a sort of medium sized ish city or medium large, not huge. Cause like London with nine and a half million people ultimately proved to be kind of too big for me. So I wanted something a little bit smaller than that, but still big enough to have like a really robust cultural life. Cause I like going to concerts and theater and museums and opera and all that kind of stuff. Um, I wanted somewhere with better scenery, ideally with mountains close by. I wanted somewhere with a nice climate, like, you know, hello, San Diego, or hello, Valencia, Spain, or something like that. Um, I wanted somewhere that also was, had a reasonable kind of cost of living. Um, and you put all these things together, and you and realize- And Google, Google says Czech Republic, Prague? No, no, that's the thing. You put all these things together and you realize, there's nowhere on earth that has all of those things in one city. So then it becomes a, a point of compromise. And Prague ended up being a point of compromise because it's, it's a nice city, like about the right size, like you know, 1.2 or 3 million, uh, capital of a country. So everything that happens in the Czech Republic kind of focuses on here. Great cultural scene. I mean, like they'd go to different theater or classical music or museum every day and kind of never exhaust it all. So that's great. Um, it's a, obviously a very pretty city. And though the clearest, the closest mountains aren't for another eh, hour-ish, hour and a half drive, um, it's really easy to get out of town and go hiking in um, beautiful kind of natural protected areas. So that satisfied me. It helped that I already had friends here. So, because I lived in Prague 20 years ago, still had a lot of those friends and then had a lot of Kind of newer friends from uh, my tour guide work in Prague. So that was good, kind of a, a, a local network already. And though Prague is not as crazy cheap as, you know, legend has it from like the, like the 1990s when, uh, you know, people would make jokes about you could pay for dinner and still have money left over to buy the restaurant kind of thing. Um, it's still certainly compared to places that I've also lived like London or Seattle, the cost of living here is is quite manageable. Um, also, again, if you're not sort of depending on a, an average check salary, because Prague does seem pretty expensive to locals. And then the last factor, which is something you also kind of touched on, which I think could be a topic for another time. Um, the Czech Republic is relatively easy to move to if you don't have a, an EU passport, because they have this freelancer scheme that if you can support yourself, you can kind of jump through some hoops and move here. So Prague ticked enough boxes. It was a, a reasonable enough compromise that I thought, you know what, let's give it a go. And here I am. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I think with the picks that we're going to go through today, some, some of them will have 
certain bo certain boxes ticked on those things, you know, like, okay, can you easily, you know, you know, immigrate there or get residency mm -hmm. there, or, you know, can you get around without speaking the local language or this, that, or the next thing. But I don't know if all of mine will have all of those because mm -hmm. sometimes some places I just don't know an, enough of, enough about really. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, yeah, totally. I mean, there's no perfect place. This is one of my um, conclusions that I drew from searching out where I might live. So you're always going to compromise on something. And the three places that I put in my list, there's always a compromise on something. But it's also, you know, they are all places that I think I would probably live, though I've never actually lived in any one of them. Um, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know what's on your list because we've okay. kept the secret from mm -hmm. each other. So do you want to, do you want to start with like your first, okay. first, I, and I don't know if it's like your first of like, it's your top one of your three or just one of mm. your three. However, I think, yeah, I think my list is sort of in order, but not in a hard and fast order. But I do think that if I were to move away from Prague, um, very, very high on the list, would be this first choice, which is drum roll. <laughs> None other than Ljubljana, Slovenia. What? Slovenia? What? Oh my yes. God. Shit, that means I can't move out of here because then if you move here and then I'm going to one of my three places, then we'll never meet. Oh, exactly. Man. And But you know, maybe we just assume each other's identities. We trade, oh, we wife swap, but I have to get a wife first. Anyway, um, <laughs> but so here's why with Ljubljana, right? Like. I already know Ljubljana really well. I mean, it is, it's a lovely, charming city and there's just fantastic scenery nearby. That's one of the things that I love about Ljubljana is, you know, the mountains are right there, but you can drive in two hours to the coast. And just because it's Slovenia and so small, you can just get to so many different places pretty quickly. So I love kind of just the landscapes. Um, I do have some really good friends in Ljubljana, so there's that social network kind of stuff. Um, I think it's good food there. Like, you know, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily eat Slovenian food that much in Ljubljana, but there's a good mix of cuisines. So, you know, that if I want good Indian, I can get good Indian. If I want some Turkish, I can get Turkish. Uh, yeah, that and, that, and that scenes, that international scene's getting uh, better and wider. Like mm -hmm. every month every month it's yeah. every time i'm there i'm like what's this new place so yeah totally yeah um and for listeners who maybe have been to ljubljana i think you would probably agree like it just has a nice vibe right like the civilized city it's a, a pretty young vibe because of all the uh, university students there um you know just and i find people you know they're not as they're not necessarily as kind of warm and friendly as i don't know i don't know as a spanish people maybe but i do find slovenians like pretty like easy to get along with laid back um i already know croatian so if i had to move to ljubljana like i could pick up slovenian pretty well um so it would be a pretty easy transition i think i will admit some drawbacks like ljubljana around 250 300 people it's a little small for me like Ideally, I would like have a bit bigger city, and so like the cultural life in Ljubljana is not that robust or world class. Like compared to London, um, certainly. I mean, everywhere compared to London, there's not as much going on. But even compared to Prague, there's kind of I wouldn't be able to scratch my culture vulture itch as much. But you know, everywhere's a compromise. So 
I think I could probably have a pretty darn good life in Ljubljana. Hmm. Okay, well, yeah, it's moving close to me. I suppose then I should like pick a place that's closer to you. <laughs> but, it doesn't have to be reciprocal. I mean, but yeah, but for my first choice, uh, I won't. Um, uh, I'm going more north than I would think. Uh, I've got Tartu, Estonia. Really? <laughs> I, I did not think Tartu would make the list. Okay, tell me why. <laughs> okay, so for me, I don't really need the big, big city. I mean, especially even in Slovenia, if I wanted a big, the big city vibe, and what you said about Ljubljana is correct, but for Slovenia, if I wanted that, I, I could have moved there, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I didn't. But um, Tartu is a medium-sized city, which, which, which the, the size-wise good. Uh, it's close to nature. This whole, that whole kind of uh, southeast part of Estonia has got um, that lake, Lake Pepsi uh, that borders Russia. There's, uh, I've, I've drift, I spent a couple of days just driving around that area. And for my, for my son, he's really into nature. And that's the one thing he doesn't like about Koper is, you know, it's like you got the sea here, which is great if you want to swim for four or five months out of the year. But kind of being more close to forests and nature would, would work really well. Mm. Um, I like the I like the vibe a lot. Although I'll say this, I have not been to Tartu in quite some time. I probably have been there three or four times, so um, it's been a while since my since my last visit. Um, but I've always loved the Baltics. In fact, mm. Ben, I don't know if you remember this, but this was well, 16 years ago, I think. Before I started my tour company, I had dinner with you, and I was like, "Well, what should I do? Should I run tours in the Balkans or the Baltics?" Mm. Uh, well, I think we went out for like Paki or Indian food or something like that and had this, conversa and had this conversation and I had more, more pluses on the Balkan side than the Baltics. Uh, so I chose former Yugoslav area to uh, start tours in. But Baltic's always been an a, a area I've liked and I've always really, really liked Estonia. Hmm. Um, it has a digital um, ease of business and the digital nomad um, visas uh, and being able to like do everything online, that would be a huge step up from the bureaucracy mm. of Slovenia and so many other countries. So that would be something that would be, that would be really welcome uh, at some points. So I think it would be a lot easier kind of getting set up there than it was here to, um, to an extent. Um, and I have other things too that I have to consider. So like with my kids, they speak four languages and I really can't ask them to like do a fifth. Right. So they have Russian uh, because my wife's Russian, English, they have Slovenian and now the last two years they had Italian. So Estonia's uh, for sure, if Tartu's the second largest city in Estonia, there's gotta be a Russian language school there. Because mm -hmm. I can't just, you know, I'm not made of money where I was like, oh, I'll stick both of my kids in some international school. And usually that only works if you're in the capital city. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've got to think about that. The other thing that I might uh, think about is my kids go back to Russia every summer. I mean, this summer, obviously not. But um, so, okay, proximity that to, to Russia, that's, you know, that's that that works. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I haven't been, I love St. Petersburg and haven't been there in ages. So that would be like, okay, that'd be nice to be next to that. I do kind of look at like proximity. What, are, what are, am I close to other things? And then I'd think like, okay, I'm two hours, two and a half hours away from Tallinn airport and from Riga airport. So that's pretty good. So when I need to, you know, 
get going somewhere and run tours and things like that, that would probably work out pretty well. Uh, the other thing is when I was, um, that was 2007, I took my dad, my dad was a professor for his whole life. And when he stopped teaching, he got really depressed. Hmm. So he had me put a trip together form to get like kind of back and like, you know, feeling alive again. So I took him to Poland and the Baltics because he was interested in those countries. And when I got to Tartu, of course, Tartu has the oldest university, had the oldest university in Tsarist Russia. So I think it's been there since 1700 something. So when I went, I took my dad there and my dad loved it. And he thought, he looked at me and said, Andrew, what do you think? Do you think, do you think maybe I could like come back here and just maybe do some math tutoring and maybe some, some, some English help or whatever, you know? And I was like, sure, dad, like, I can't imagine you're like coming here on your own and doing it. Uh, Cause I didn't live here at the time. If, if I was in Europe, maybe he would have. And I always thought that was pretty cool. Like he liked the city so much. And it was like this university town. He just like felt at home at, with it um, that he wanted to come back and, you know, do, do a little bit of like work there or whatever and, and like try living the, the European life for a while. So um, I don't know. I always had like a kind of fondness uh, for Tartu and it's, it's definitely way north than, than mm-hmm. I would want. Uh, so I know, you know, I've always tried to avoid extreme weather and I'm sure the winters and the fact there's very little sunlight would be difficult. I think the summers though could be really, really nice. Um, so yeah, I know, I know it has some negatives, but it's just something that kind of when I thought about this list, I was like, huh, I wonder what the first thing that'll come to mind as a place to, to move. Cause for me, I don't know about you, Ben, but I actually had to visualize living there. Like that's like my thing too. It's not like, okay, it has this, 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 and this, so I could live there. It was just something like kind of when I thought about it, it was like, yes, I could visualize living there. And that was just like, it just, that was like the first place that popped into my head. So. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I mean, I've never been to Tartu. So now I uh, really want to check it out based on uh, <laughs> being at, at the top of your list. Um, I do know like Estonia is a super civilized place and all the stuff you've said about like good digital government and everything like Estonia is a real world leader on that stuff. So um I could imagine how, you know, things would be pretty, pretty easy and straightforward there, which is great. I mean, the winters would definitely get me, but I suppose, you know, you, then you get the uh, recompense in that uh, uh, incredibly long summer days, that kind of stuff. So yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. And as to, as to like how you choose and visualizing living there, I guess I sort of do that, but I'm, I, for me, there's a bit of a vibe thing, which even goes against, because I tend to be sort of rational, analytical, as along with like the list of places, of like things I was looking for. But I sometimes I do just get a vibe about a place. And so my next choice, I had a, a surprising vibe about it. Um, surprising, because I didn't expect to like it. Hmm. And that is Kiev or Kiev, if you prefer the Ukrainian um, pronunciation, I should say Kiev to respect the Ukrainians. So I kind of imagined ignorantly that Kiev might be, you know, like one of these unpleasant post-Soviet cities, uh, just like concrete housing block after concrete housing block and, you know, 
kind of re and or rebuilt in Stalinist style after damage in World War II. But in fact, I found it to be a surprisingly attractive city. Um, there's, you know, historical uh, sections which are quite charming. And though there aren't like mountains or seacoasts nearby, still like parts of the old part of town, there's, I Andrew, you've been there, I assume, right? Y yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like parts of the kind of the older part of town, like over on these bluffs overlooking the Dnieper River, which I thought yep. was quite nice. And you just see forest like as far as you can look or as far as you can see. Um, so that was pretty nice. And there's some nice monuments um, as well. So I thought kind of like yeah, the fabric of the city, it's a lot more attractive than I expected it to be. Um, other advantages like it's cheap as all get out you know maybe i shouldn't highlight that as much as i do or that criterion shouldn't count as much as it does but um you know real estate maybe not not rock bottom cheap but gosh you can have a, a great life on not that much money there and i really like ukrainian food i mean i i love my carbs um so uh, i can eat well there but there's so many again like good restaurants of all kinds and of course, both you and I have a thing for Georgian food, and I had some, ate in several fantastic Georgian restaurants in Kiev. So that was, you know, I know I could, uh, I wouldn't go hungry there, shall we say. Um, it's a big city, right? So it's like about 3 million. Um, but for me, that's cool because that means there's a lot of culture there. There's uh, really good classical music in Kiev. So, you know, I would, I would be satisfied with all the stuff going on. Like, I don't know Ukrainian, my Russian exists though it's not very good but i could kind of get up to speed on that um if i wanted to i think one of the big drawbacks for ukraine and i'm interested in uh how you would react to this one andrew like ukraine has some pretty serious challenges politically and socially right like it's obviously there's kind of a frozen conflict going on in the east with russia uh, Ukraine is in kind of a bad neighborhood because of that Russian bear there. And, you know, Russia is not exactly friendly to countries kind of adopting a democratic or pro-Western orientation these days. And Ukraine is not in the EU, so it has it has some, some troubles, um, which I do think about because, like, the politics of a country are um, – actually have led me to eliminate some some cities that I really like from my choices. So – I don't know. So Kiev, I have a really good vibe there, um, and I could imagine living there. Uh, but you know, as a fantasy pick, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I could maybe make a go of it. Yeah, I went to Kiev in 2009, and I think that's the only time I was I was there. I definitely would go back. It's mm -hmm. not like I didn't like it and want to go back. And my big surprise there was I was expecting it to be it's going to be Moscow, but kind of smaller. Mm. And it was not at all. It was just so different. I was thinking it was going to be some kind of version of Moscow, but ob couldn't be obviously that big. Mm -hmm. Didn't didn't give didn't give that vibe at all to me. So um, I I also uh, really really enjoyed it. Um, I I don't know because I mean now it's my last I don't know three or four trips to Ukraine. It's all I'm all in Western Ukraine. I, mm -hmm. I don't. It's hard to know like how how things are there. Um, I mean, politically wise, at least they do seem to try to have some interesting candidates or some, you know, they, they give their hand at some, at a, at this kind of revolution or that revolution. Right. So they're like, at least kind of trying to, to, to do something. And now they mm -hmm. have what a comedian as prime minister mm -hmm. or as president. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so yeah, that's. Um, but I don't know the whole the whole conflict in the east with with Russia. It's not palpable at all when you're mm -hmm. in Lviv in Western Ukraine, and I don't know how how it might be different if you're in Kiev or not. So um, I, I, that I don't that I don't really know much about. Yeah, no, I mean I didn't find it like palpable in Kiev either, other than you sort of get stories from people. But but yeah, it's just like how how stable a place are you living in? And you know, this may be me as a political science PhD overthinking this kind of stuff, but I do. I do wonder about stuff like this, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't. I don't think of it as some really unstable place. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly, I mean, there's, there's, there's no place I've been to in Europe that's as cheap as mm -hmm. traveling is as, as as Ukraine. At least Western, at least Western Ukraine. And I'm assuming, yeah, Kiev, its capitals is be more mm -hmm. expensive. But I mean, I can I, Every time I'm in a restaurant, I'm looking at the menu going. Are they like they should have like updated these prices whenever their Griva whatever crashed or got devalued uh -huh. or something, and they 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 didn't. But it was like every place like didn't bother redoing their prices, and it's just like man, that is like the one place I always if I have a good meal and I usually do, I always tip really well because mm -hmm. it's like I feel so bad, and it's like I not not that I feel bad that like it's just so cheap, but. Um, uh, you know, or, oh, they must be not making any money. And I don't know if that's, the case. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what waiters make there, whatever. But I'm just like, like, this food is so good. It's so inexpensive. Like, I can't really pay such a low price. I really, yeah. should really just charge me double for most things. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that, that, that is evidence that you were a, a good human that like, you know, these prices are too low. I must pay you more. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm going to have one kind of big city pick because I just figured, you know, if this is more like a fantasy thing, okay, I should have a, you know, you know, the one big city to, to live in, which is probably, you know, not so realistic uh, for my family. But okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go to that big city, what's it gonna be? And for me, it was pretty easy because I'm there so often. Um, I think I'm there like three or four times a year usually, and that's Budapest mm -hmm. in Hungary. So. Um, it's a place it's funny it's a place when i first went there in 1999 i was like man no one cleans up their dog shit uh <laughs> the the pesh side is got like is like got graffiti and grime it's like someone needs to wash some of this down it needs a new uh coat of paint you know like clean up your dog crap people stuff like that i love the buddha hill that was like oh that side's really nice uh and i and i've gone back because if you ever want to know what a central European country is, like it's, it's central Europe because you go east, west, north or south in Europe, you're always seemingly going to go through Hungary. Mm -hmm. um, so I would always just go through there on my way somewhere else, uh, you know, at different, at different, uh, you know, different time periods and different years, so I could see how much it's changed and I think changed for the better. I'm not going to get into politics. I don't mean mm -hmm. like the whole country has changed for the better, but um uh, it, it's one of those big city places that has things because now I've taken my family there for a couple of vacations. So I know what it has to offer for them. I have a couple of good friends who, who live there now. And that's, that would be one of the drawbacks with Tartu was like, okay, 
I just don't know anyone there. And mm -hmm. for the most part, it's like, that's going to be tough for me to say, oh, I'll move to a place where I don't know anyone. In Slovenia, I knew so many people um, that it was, you know, it was, it, that was made it a lot easier. So Budapest, I've got um, a couple of, of good friends there. Public transport's great. I figure, oh, if I live there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't need a car. I'd go, I'd go everywhere on the metro and probably take the trams, things like that. Um, definitely has the vibe, definitely has the, um, the restaurant options. They have, there's a really good Georgian restaurant there too. So I think, I think we yeah. should be like, okay, we're going to have three picks and each of these three picks must have a Georgian restaurant, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, which I think there's a place outside of Ljubljana now hmm. that's like a, it's like private. You have to go with the group or you have to go. Uh, you have to call the head that serves a really good Georgian food. This is what I heard from a friend of mine in Ljubljana. But um, yeah, it's it's also it's got um, you know assuming assuming they stay alive, Wizz Air, which is is connects really well. And you know, being in Slovenia now, that our airline collapsed over a year ago, and um, nothing's looking very good for the for the airport here. It is kind of important when you're thinking about you know needing to move around. Mm -hmm. that um that budapest has got is is really well connected um and it's just close to a lot of things i like i mean i'm in romania a lot i'm in western mm -hmm. ukraine i mean it's just uh so it's I, I, the the language thing i guess that would be the one factor i don't know about because yeah i'm not sure if you're gonna have, i don't think you're gonna have a russian language school there or an italian no. language school there if Budapest was closer to the Slovenian border, then they might have some, you know, like, uh, here's some class for Slovene minorities. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. so like all these, like none of these picks have all the, have the essential things, like all the essential um, uh, boxes ticked. So that might probably be the, the, the part about Budapest that I'm not sure like how yeah. that would work. And Hungarian, it's like, yeah, no, it's, it's not like anything else that the kids know or I know mm -hmm. so uh, that would be that would be that would be difficult and I have to say like hungry in general like you know uh, there's some things that are that, that I like but there's not like Budapest is like for me like that's like got nine nine out of ten highlights of hungry I think are all mm. Budapest for me mm -hmm. so um but whatever I probably would go explore you know I'd probably I'd have more time to go explore things or uh you know poke around a little bit more um but um yeah that would be the that's like my that's my big city that's my easy big city because just mm -hmm. i feel like I, I i know it well enough even my kids kind of know it so yeah why not yeah no i totally get it i mean there are a few cities that are kind of more immediately spectacular in europe when you're standing there on the banks of the danube and looking over to buddha hill and and uh, seeing the palace and all that kind of stuff um and yeah, lots going on. And as you say, it's so close to so much, right? Uh, central puts the central and central Europe. Um, and I haven't been there in a few years now, but I, I, will, I will give one, I'll give the current government one bit of credit. Um, and that is that they have invested a lot in beautifying Budapest over the last 10 years. And so, yeah, cause I, I lived there like about 20 years ago, not quite 20 years ago for a little while. And I remember the, the shabby, stuff and the dog shit and all that kind of stuff and now budapest is a lot more gleaming um so i totally get it and i even 
you know, when I was thinking about where would I move uh, from London, some of my Hungarian friends would say, well, Ben, why Prague? Why not Budapest? Um, and, you know, like Budapest would be high on the list, except, and this comes back to politics, but like, you know, it's not a democracy anymore. And that that's like your mileage may vary as to how much you care about that one. But that's that was for me kind of the the deal breakers like yeah, yeah the institutions there are have become so corrupted that i just don't i i i wouldn't feel right about it but you know that's for me what works for anybody else is fine for them about 10 or 15 years ago if you would have said okay prague or budapest i would have been oh it's prague it's mm-hmm. like prague 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 um so yeah, some things, and, and some of it too. You know, I don't know f- for you, but for me, certainly, it's it's the the, pla- the If you go to places more often, then you're just you know, you obviously you get more comfortable there, and you mm-hmm. find out more things. So, so I, to be you know, I haven't been to Prague in ten years now. So it's been so long. I'm like, oh gosh, like I just I'm so cl- I'm so clueless. Like when you, it's not so far away. I just but I feel like I'm kind of out of it. Like. Mm. what's going on in the Czech Republic I don't even really know I just feel like uh I just feel like I think it is like the places I go with with tours or just I go by myself I I I usually kind of keep more up on on news and Mm. things like that and then you know it's like hey what's going on in Slovakia I have no clue yeah it's next it's next to a bunch of other countries I know what's going on in but (laughs) like Slovakia is like I have no idea you know whatever like the the two journalists were murdered and now some young woman was like the prime minister or whatever it's like okay Mm. that sounds like a good story but that's like it that's like my knowledge of Slovakia in the last two years is like that's it yeah um so i feel like i'm definitely out of the loop for uh for czech republic yeah i mean the thing about the, the comparison i make and the, the i guess why some people do prefer budapest to prague is like prague in normal years not pandemic years is very touristy and the center of town obviously can have kind of a theme park atmosphere and there's no denying that in budapest i have found like it absorbs tourists a bit better in part because there are fewer of them but also just a bigger city um so yeah that's a kind of that's a your mileage may vary kind of thing is on how much the the tourist scene is is um i don't know what the thumbs up thumbs down kind of thing um yeah i I definitely say budapest absorbs uh tourists more i think it's because there's not like this one part in Budapest where everyone has to be. It seems like in Prague, you've got Charles Bridge, this and this, and it's just like everyone's there. And Budapest is, well, you can be in, on the Buddha side and then you're, you know, like you're, you, you know, you, even if there's a half a million people there one day, like that's, that doesn't make it feel crowded when you're on the walking across the chain bridge mm-hmm. or in this, this district or that district on the Pesh side. So it's, yeah, I don't know if it's, I guess it is a bigger city or, or it's just spread out more. And there's, I think the things that tourists see are more spread out too. So mm-hmm. not every, not everyone's walking down that same like main square or main street at the same time, which yeah. is, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think, I definitely think that's true. So talking about big cities now, I'm going to go, you kind of went in reverse uh, and choosing a bigger city. Now I'm going to go in reverse and choose a smaller city. So my pick number three is Plovdiv, Bulgaria, um, which is a a little bit bigger than Ljubljana. It's like 350,000. And I find Plovdiv to be also quite a charming mid-sized city. Like I love 
all the history there. I mean, you can walk right in the center of town and there's ancient ruins, like, you know, Greek and Roman ruins are right there. Um, Cause I need my mountains, like Plovdiv has mountains nearby. And that's one thing I like about Bulgaria is there's just like lots of mountains. So that's great. But, you know, if you get in a car, the Black Sea is also only a few hours away, so you can drive to the coast if you feel like it. Um, Plovdiv also super cheap to live there. I like the climate. I haven't been there in the summer, so I don't know how hot it gets. It might get a little bit toasty for me. But, you know, it's relatively southern, so uh, winter's not too harsh. Um, a lot of sunshine, so all that appeals. I like that kind of... Uh, call it Eastern Balkans food that's sort of Greek-ish, you know, lots of lots of salads and peppers and feta cheese and that kind of stuff. I I I like local food. And then, you know, Plovdiv isn't as cosmopolitan as as a Budapest or even a Ljubljana, but you I think you can eat pretty well. Um there is I think kind of an advantage and it's in the European Union, so like you know, that modernizes, stabilizes stuff. I mean, Bulgaria also has lots of challenges. I mean, my one of my Bulgarian friends will uh, complain at length about their corrupt politicians and how their economy doesn't work. And certainly lots of smart and capable Bulgarian just leave the country. So, you know, the, it's got some downsides too. Um, one thing for me, like you're talking about Budapest, uh, as being well connected, and Plovdiv has no major airport, so that's that is an issue where you have to drive to uh, to um, Sofia to get anywhere. So that's a thing. And you know, I don't know. Though I really like the the vibe of Plovdiv, it might be a little small or sleepy for me in the long run. But uh, as a place that I think is uh, not on a lot of people's radars, kind of like Tartu, a lot of people would go, "What? You know, where is that place?" Um, I think Plovdiv, you could have a really nice quality of life there, and I would love to spend a bit more time there. I don't know if I'd ever actually really move there to live there all year round, but uh, I think um, it has enough attractions that you could uh, live pretty well there. You know, it's funny. I was so I wrote my list, you know, my three places, <laughs> and then, and then because I'm a geek, I was like, well, I probably should just write up every other country. Mm -hmm. Uh, that we cover and be like, you know, what's some pluses and some minuses or whatever. And the more I was writing down about Bulgaria and Plovdiv, I was like, hmm, hmm. well, Plovdiv, Plov, you know, a couple of things, uh, you know, uh, go wrong with, with uh, some of the other picks. They could they'd sneak into the top three. Hmm. Um, because I th it kind of hit me. I was like, well, you know what? They actually have really good food and the weather's not an issue. Like, because I'm not, I'm back in this kind of, Balkan Southeast Europe. I'm not in mm -hmm. this continental win uh, climate for winters and crap like that. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, you know, the the not having an airport, which I think they do now, although I'm not sure if there's really many flights. Sofia's mm. really not so far away, so it's not uh, it's not terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, I say to you know to I think it's maybe an hour and a half or something like that to the airport there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, Plovdiv is is great, and certainly if if I was going to be in Bulgaria, that's that's where I would uh, pick. Mm -hmm. And you know, like you said, if you didn't, oh, you, maybe it's not doesn't have enough arts and culture for you, but you can go to Sofia, and you that you should. I mean, I don't know. Sofia's got to be half a million or a million or something, so something. you probably can yeah. get a lot of that uh, a lot of that there if you couldn't get it in in Plovdiv. So um, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a that was a that, that was a good pick. It almost I kind of forgot about Bulgaria, or I was thinking, mm. well, just no, and I don't know why. I just thought like no, because I do I do like it, but um, yeah, that's a place I that's uh, you know for it's one of those places where like for me, Plov, I like Plovdiv more than than the capital city. And there's mm-hmm. a bunch of different countries where you're like, hey, the capital city is not the best mm-hmm. <laughs> city to go to. Um, and that would be one of the cases, I think, um, with Bulgaria, for sure. Totally. And that that could even be a, a topic for a future show is, uh, you know, second cities in these countries we talk about that are actually a lot nicer uh, than the capital cities. So we can file that one away for, for the future, maybe. I was wor- I was a little worried that we would both choose one of the same places and mm. we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm cu- I'm curious after I tell you about my third pick if it was on your radar or not. Mm. Um, and this is going to be kind of more predominantly like, hey, if I if rather than fantasizing about a place, like with all the stupid residency shit I'm dealing with now in Slovenia what if I actually just need to move to a place and mm. not want, not need to deal with all the other bureaucracy crap. I need a country that says, Hey, American passport holder, you already have 365 mm. days free stay in our country. And I'll be like, thanks very much, Georgia. I think I'll come on over. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's uh, yeah, that was my, one of my main reasons for picking Georgia. And I kind of say Georgia rather than a specific place because I'm not 100% sure. I mean, yeah, probably Tbilisi or like mm-hmm. most definitely not Batumi because uh-huh. I don't need like Vegas on the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second city, Kutaisi, I've only been to once and it's kind of further away and whatever. So probably Tbilisi or or perhaps one of those charming little towns more in the Eastern wine country. I could imagine myself living there. Um, but Georgia actually had a couple of the most practical things. And mm-hmm. that was one, you know, I, I could just go there right now, uh, today and show up and move. I think I, I do 10 or 14 days quarantine or whatever. Uh, but I think it's like anyone could, could show up and they do that. And then you could stay for a year. They also offer this, some kind of digital nomad visa. Uh, if you, if you want to stay longer, like for, for more than six months, uh, so that's another option. And then the big thing there would just be like, okay, here, here's a place where my kids can go to a Russian school. That's mm-hmm. not going to be an issue. Yeah. Which would be like, they would have to go to a Russian school because like, God forbid, I would like, Hey, have a fifth, fifth language. It's going to be Georgian. <laughs> They'd be yeah. like, dad, we hate you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why don't you learn this language? It's only spoken by about 3 million people and has its own alphabet that nobody else uses. Yeah. Easy oh, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, well, so t- that's that was actually my runner-up. Like my number four was Tbilisi as well, um, for all the reasons that you were just talking about, Georgia. Um, it's got so much going for it. Though one of the big drawbacks is like, dude, I'm not learning Georgian. So, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I I think you I think well you know, you by yourself would be a lot easier. I think you can mm. do it fine just in English. And I like I I am a member of an expat Facebook group in Tbilisi, mm. or is it for Georgia, the whole country? I can't remember. Anyway, so, you know, whatever. I, I, I sometimes kind of keep up on, the, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on and things like that. Uh, I think Tbilisi, and I like it. It's a, it's a cool, it's a funky city. Mm. That's a, 
I like the, the vibe there a lot. It's probably, you know, it's like Slovenia is nice and organized. Estonia, mm -hmm. you know, about this, you know, Estonia is like the Slovenian, like totally. the Slovenia of the, of the Baltics. Yeah. And Slovenia is like the Estonia of the Balkans, kind of. Mm -hmm. Sorry, people. It's kind of kind of Balkans, but uh, to believe <laughs> Georgia is like Georgia is like like the long lost Balkan brother, like mm -hmm. that the Balkans didn't know they had. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like uh, a little. You know, like hey, does do people? Does anyone pick up trash there? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, does anyone care how they drive? And you know, like mm -hmm. the, the, are, you know, the concern they might run people over in the street. That would be kind of uh, difficult. I'm guessing it'd be a little less safe, although still much safer than I would think most Western European cities and anywhere in the States. Um, so those would things I probably would have, you know, probably have to adjust to. Um, I have some, I don't say like good friends, but I have some people there I know. My wife has got a uh, artist friend who lives there. Uh, and that's a good place. Uh, that's a good place for being an artist. Um, there so um that would probably work for her um it's also it's not like i would say it's fairly well connected i mean the fact that you have three or four flights a day to istanbul it's like okay mm -hmm. then you can get anywhere yeah um so it's not bad it it gets along with most of its neighbors which unfortunately i can't say the same for the other two countries in the mm -hmm. caucuses right now mm -hmm. uh, so it's like it's like uh, of course, it's like, hey, we just moved here. Now, don't don't mind, like, don't even bother paying any attention that there's a war going on between our our two neighbors. But other than that, it's fantastic. Um, so, but uh, yeah, it's it's a place uh, that's got a lot of nature too. So, for outdoor things would be would be great. So, yeah, it's a it's a. I think that not being in the EU, and and the language would probably be the two biggest drawbacks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same here. I mean, and even with the neighborhood that it's in, like, obviously, you know, Russia has Georgia under its thumb uh, a lot of the time. But Georgia has tried to do uh, kind of like Ukraine. They've, they've tried to improve things and have made some strides on that way. So, you know, they're never going to be as, as organized as Estonia or Slovenia, probably. But like, you could be you could be worse. Uh, so Georgia's making some progress. And yeah, I, I when I was there last year, I really enjoyed it and um, would very happily go back there uh, and, and spend significant more time there. Because I think it just has, uh, it has enough of this kind of constellation of factors that um, I could see myself being happy there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a surprise you had, uh, mm. had that uh, right outside your list. It's funny because I had... Um, uh, it was either this or it was going to be Lviv. Uh, so you picked Kiev and I was like, okay, it's probably good. I didn't pick that. So yeah, cool. Well, so Andrew and I have just given you um, our somewhat fantasy list of places that we would consider living in Central and Eastern Europe. And if you haven't been to those places, whether or not you want to live there, I think hopefully you can take our advice as like, well, those places sound pretty great. Maybe I should go visit. Now to kind of close out, uh, today's episode, we'll do something we often do, which is just offer a pick or two. And these can be just like things we particularly like, or sometimes more practical tips. Um, but just a, a thing that maybe we think is worth investigating further. I'll go first. I have two 
kind of related picks for today, both related to Ukraine, to my you know, second pick uh, or second choice uh, as a place I might live. And the first pick is the artist, Ukrainian artist Taras Shevchenko, who's like the greatest probably Ukrainian artist slash poet. He was a painter. As I said, he was a writer. And it's, I do this slightly, I make him as a pick slightly in jest because um, in my experience in Ukraine, like almost every street corner has a statue of Shevchenko on it. Like there's a statue of Shevchenko, which is on Shevchenko Street, which is on Shevchenko Square, right? Like he's just everywhere, um, unescapable. So um, he's like Elvis. He's he is like Elvis, yeah, exactly. And possibly still alive. No, he died in the, in the uh, 19th century. But so Shevchenko is ubiquitous. And so I thought um, I would read a Shevchenko poem just to kind of honor, you know, Kiev, honor Ukraine, uh, this country which both Andrew and I are fond of and made my kind of number two. So here we go. We're getting, we're getting high culture. Here's a poem, Testament, from Tara Shevchenko from 1845. And it goes like this. When I am dead, bury me in my beloved Ukraine. My tomb upon a grave mound high amid the spreading plain, so that the fields, the boundless steppes, the Dnieper's plunging shore, my eyes could see, my eyes, my ears could hear the mighty river roar. When from Ukraine the Dnieper bears into the deep blue sea the blood of foes, then will I leave these hills and fertile fields. I'll leave them all and fly away to the abode of God, and then I'll pray. But until that day, I know nothing of God. Oh, bury me, then rise ye up, and break your heavy chains, and water with the tyrant's blood the freedom you have gained. And in the great new family, the family of the free, with softly spoken kindly word, remember also me. So there is the poem, Testament, by the Ukrainian poet Taras Shevchenko from 1845. And my other quick pick, if that's entirely too cerebral, my other quick pick, place to an entire different organ of the body, the stomach, and that's some Ukrainian vareniki. These are like Ukrainian dumplings. You think of pierogi in Poland or pelmeni in Russia. These are kind of, you know, the Ukrainian version of ravioli, if you want. They're shaped slightly different. Ukrainians claim, oh, they're much bigger and much better than either pierogi or pelmeni. I like them because they're you're more likely to find them in vegetarian versions than, uh, say, pelmeni. So they are just like carb bombs, that it kind of fuel you for a day plowing those black earth fields in Ukraine to do your peasant work. So take your Shevchenko poem and then finish it up with some delicious rib tickling, gut busting Ukrainian dumplings, Varaniki. I think I need to plow the black earth in Ukraine a little bit more. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen many things, I've gone to all these places, but I haven't really done that. So you know, maybe I should kind of get more in the spirit of the country. And, and no, plowing the black earth in Ukraine is not a euphemism for anything. It just means <laughs> um, You know, I think we're going to have to come up with a list of common endings of last names that tell you what country people are from. And so mm -hmm. like the Chenkos, mm -hmm. you know, as Ukraine and the Ishvili's or something like that, it's going to be mm -hmm. the Georgians. And I think it'd be really good to come, come up with like a, with a small like, hey, if if someone's name ends in this, they're most likely from this country. Yeah, good thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs>
uh, could be could be uh, of of good use uh, because it just seems like at least those two countries and, and Russia as well. The the it's like man, does everyone have a last name kind of end the same? Right. <laughs> Certainly the Elys, right? Like if. If, yeah. I don't know a Georgian who doesn't have an Ely in the last name. And if you see an Ely in the last name, it's like you can be certain that person has Georgian connections. So. Yeah, nowadays, when I look at some like name of some sports guy, and it's like, okay, this is definitely from some country I've been to. Then I start mm -hmm. like before I Google them, I'm like, well, let me see if I could figure it out. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like if there's itch at the end, it's like, okay, could be Serbian or Croatian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you have to you have to do a, a, a dig a little bit deeper or whatever. Um, so I've just got uh, one pick, and that's uh, for the website that's related to what we're talking about, um, expats. It's called Internations. It's internations.org, and Internations is is like an online community. They've got chapters in cities all over the world, and you could join up for free. And then each chapter put on certain events. Um, so you can, you know, from something as simple as like, hey, let's go to a pub and have some drinks or um, let's do a Saturday night dinner here or whatever. And it's, it's a good way to meet expats. Uh, usually one of, the, one of the people that's running each of the uh, city, sorry, um, for each of the chapters, like there's one person who's local. So for the Ljubljana chapter, there's someone from Slovenia and there's some person from another country. Uh, and then they rotate maybe once a year or something like that. But it's an interesting way to meet other expats that are not expats from your country. So uh, when I first moved to Slovenia, or even before I moved here, that was one reason why I didn't want to live in Ljubljana too, was I didn't want to live with a, just a bunch of American expats. Uh, just I didn't like there's no point in moving to Slovenia just so I could hang out with Americans so uh, but it's much more interesting when you meet people from Brazil and most European countries uh, things like that so uh, I've really enjoyed my my uh, time uh, going to these uh, internations meetings and I've definitely met a lot of people I'd, I never met before so it's a good way to get connected um, uh, I think too if like you were like oh I'm thinking of you know, I'm thinking of at least sniffing around uh, Plovdiv to see what it would take to move there or what other expats think you could, you know, you know, kind of join their group and try to get some feedback from some of the people who live there. So internations is, is an interesting thing for, you know, for socializing, but I think you'd also use it for a little bit of research when you're, mm -hmm. if you're actually looking to, to be an expat and move to a different place. Yeah, I've definitely used internations a bit. Is there an internations group even in Koper? That that I don't think. No, there's not. Okay. Uh, okay. Because it's not like some things where it's like, oh, yeah, we'll do the capital city and other stuff. I think for Slovenia, it's so small. It's just going mm -hmm. to be one. I mean, I'm get. yeah, I don't know. You see, like, is Czech Republic, is there anything like, is there a secondary city there or is everything just Prague and then? Uh, no. Maybe Brno. Yeah, Brno definitely has has that sort of infrastructure too, expat infrastructure. All right. Well, that is our show for today. I hope everybody has enjoyed hearing about our fantasy city picks and gotten some uh, maybe useful tips to explore further. 
from Internations or from some Ukrainian dumplings. Um, <laughs> I'm Ben Curtis. Again, I blog at BenjaminCurtis.me. And I'm Andrew Vallone, and I'm at SavorTheExperienceTours.com. And check out the website GuideCollective.com, which is Guide-Collective.com, where Andrew and I both... Uh, write articles and do lists and videos and all sorts of other stuff with some great colleagues, some of the best guides uh, you can possibly meet. So check that out. And thanks again for listening today. And until next time.